Well, we're very glad you're here tonight, and hopefully, hopefully by the end of the service we will have more people. But we're glad Pastor Hill is here as well. He has just been through a building program, and he's wrecked. <laughs> I know that. That's what a building program does to you. But he's got his building set, and he's ready to go now, so praise the Lord for that. And um, <clears throat> Pastor Hill was from our church. He, uh, he was not raised up here, but... Uh, bred here, I suppose, and uh, <clears throat> went through the institute here, and he has been a blessing to see his ministry and see God use him, and he's going to preach to us tonight and stir us uh, with getting the gospel to Ireland. Let's try it again. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Hey, that's much better. Good to see you, lads. Good to see some familiar faces from the ORU lads. This time last year, I was sharing with you the need for a building, and that uh, we'd be beginning a building project, and, uh, and um, we, we were going on furlough to the States for 10 weeks. We went to our, did our furlough thing, uh, traveled 7,000 miles. was so glad to come home. Man, I was grueling with four kids. And so it was fun when we'd, when we'd one child, but 7,000 miles with four kids was, was insane, you know? So it's so good to be home. And then we began our building project. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And uh, tonight I want to ask you, do you have a heart, the heart of Christ for sinners? Do you have the heart of Christ for sinners? Um, when you go down to town, when you go, or when you go into a shopping center, what do you see? Do you see people? Or do you see multitudes of people? When the Lord Jesus Christ stood on the hilltop and saw the multitudes of people, thousands and thousands of people, he saw them as lost sheep, a lost flock of sheep that needed direction, that needed loving care. He had such a deep compassion on them, and he wanted to instill that same heartbeat into the heart of his disciples. This evening we're going to see from the example of Jesus how to have a heart for sinners. And I hope uh, by the end of this message we'll be stirred up and down to have a heart for the lost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, let's go to Matthew 9 verse 35 first and, I, and then we'll read that. Then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. And were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you, and that's why we're here tonight. And I'm praying your blessed Holy Spirit will instill a great, um, a great burden in the hearts of this people tonight for the lost. Lord, probably most of the people in this room are saved. Maybe not all, but probably most are saved. I'm praying you'd stir them up and down, in and out. Lord God, we need you, and we need that stirring. Oh, Lord God, I pray. We need you to do that work in our hearts. Help us listen to you. Help us cooperate with you. And I pray you give us a heart for the people around us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, um, so how did the Lord Jesus Christ have a heart for sinners? Well, first of all, he went to the people. Look at verse 35 in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You know, Jesus was constantly looking for souls to bring to himself. Constantly on the lookout for people. While he was resting in Samaria, do you remember he was going from Galilee down to Jerusalem, or maybe it was Jerusalem to Galilee, I don't remember which way he was going, but uh, usually they would go around Samaria because they didn't like the Samaritans. 
They weren't their friends. They looked down on them. They weren't, they, they weren't, they weren't Irish. Do you understand? Just to culturally help you understand here. They were different. They were from somewhere else. Do you understand? And they didn't, they didn't have that love for them the way they should have. And uh, they weren't um, acting like God's people the way they should have been. They were, they were I, I was thinking today of the word racist. I don't understand uh, the word racist because there's only one race. That's the human race. Isn't that right? So we're not the Irish race. We're the Irish nation. Okay? We're an Irish ethnic group, if you like. Not everybody in this room. I hope you understand that. But, but I'm just trying to say, whatever country you're from, it's your ethnic group. It's not a race. We're all one race. Isn't that right? But to treat people differently because they're from somewhere else is not right, is it? But that, that's, that's what uh, they did back then. They treated them because they're from Samaria. And, I mean, there's a history behind that. We won't go into the details tonight. But they treated them differently. But not Jesus. See, Jesus sat down in the heat of the day at the well. Jacob's well. And he was thirsty. And he was hungry. But you know who he's thinking of? That young lady on her way up to, to draw from the well. He knew she had a need. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get hungry. Sometimes we're just tired of being busy and busy and busy. And we miss opportunities because we're not looking for opportunities. When the Lord Jesus Christ was on top of the mountain with the rest of his disciples, he couldn't help but want to reach out to those 5,000 people who were coming on their way up the mountain. Do you remember the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, come apart. You know, lest you come apart, we sort of have in our own minds, you know. He wanted to come apart from the busyness of the day. They had one of the longest days that's recorded in the Bible was there and then. They went to the the top of the mountain to have a break. Who were following all the people? And Jesus looked with compassion on the people. And he didn't miss an opportunity because he was always looking for a way to reach out to people. That was our Savior. The Lord was never too tired to reach out to sinners. There was never a time when the salvation of souls was not upon his heart. You know, can I just share something with you? There may be somebody in here who's not saved. I want to tell you something. The Lord Jesus Christ has an interest in your life. He wants you to be saved. Maybe you're just weighing up Christianity saying, is this for me? It needs to be for you. It's not about a religion. It's about having a relationship with the God of heaven who made you. And he is very, very interested in your life. He wants you. God wants you. He was thinking about you when he died on the cross. He was thinking about you when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Lord Jesus Christ was interested when he walked the face of this earth for all people. He was interested. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background, Jesus is interested in you. You know, and there was never a time that he wasn't. Sometimes we pass out tracts. Praise God for those of you who pass out gospel leaflets to try and get the gospel out. But it's not enough. Tuesday night visitation. Some of you are going out slow and some of you lads are going out from the home. Going out Tuesday night. Amen. 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 It's a blessing. Get out there. Barry will take you with them. Amen. Get out there, lads. Okay? But that's not enough. What about when you, what about when you, when you, when you, when you get to that six month mark and you're trusted with your, with your phone and you're trusted to, to go out to the shops on your, uh, with, with, maybe with a few people, whatever. But when, what about the people around you? Hope you have tracks in your pocket and you're ready to pass them out. Always be looking for, never miss an opportunity, lads. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, always be looking for opportunities. You may say in your mind, you know, some of you, many of you have unsaved people who are are your family members. And you're thinking in your mind, I've told them already. Well, did they get saved? 
If they didn't get saved, it's not enough. Well, you say, I told them several times. Well, tell them again. Always be looking for opportunities. You say, I've tried. Then try again. Pray more. Pray harder. We've just been to a missions conference in our church. And uh, we had a preacher come up, and, and he was such a blessing. And uh, when the preacher from Cork, he came up and he stirred us up to get out there and do some soul winning. In fact, he stirred us up so much on Saturday morning that we had a men's breakfast and we, we were so stirred up that I said, okay, let's go, lads, let's go now. And unplanned, that's a big word, planned, yeah. Uh, unplanned, we had unplanned soul winning. I had people go out soul winning who'd never gone soul winning before. In fact, there was four of them, five and six of them who'd never been out there before, but they were out that day. Unplanned soul winning because God was in it. I had a young man, 21, 22. He'd never been at soul winning, and he was on his own. Brother Oriel was with us as well. We had, we had a few people who knew how to do some soul winning, but he had a group of five with him, and none of them had gone soul winning before. And he, Brother Oriel said, this is too many. He said to one of our lads at the Yemi, he says, you're going to have to go out on your own. He said, I was scared to death, but he opened his mouth and he spoke for Christ, and God filled his mouth. What's the Bible say? Open thy mouth wide, and I will... Fill it. Isn't that what the Bible says? Let God use you. Let God use you. Look around you. Jesus was constantly looking for souls to bring for himself. Look around you. Jesus was on top of that mountain, looking around. Sometimes we're waiting for opportunities to come to us. But I want to tell you something. Jesus went to where the people were. Look at verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. He went to their villages. That's where they were. Brethren, I want to tell you something. Jesus entered into their lives. If you're going to enter into people's lives, your hands are going to get dirty. Isn't that right? If you want to go into, uh, to reach a mechanic for the Lord, you're going to have to go into his garage and start talking with him about the Lord. You're going to have to shake his hand and shake his oily, dirty hand. Praise God. There's never a hand who's not too dirty to shake. Amen? I hope you think that way. I think one of the best, best illustrations of entering into people's lives is the OU ministry. There you are, lads. People entering into your life. Isn't that right? Taking you just where you're at so you can come to know Christ. Guess what? Payback time is coming. You lads need to get on track, walk with God, and turn around and give to somebody else. Isn't that right? And I talk to many of you, you know this. This is good. Payback time is coming. But we need to reach out to people where they're at. You know, I was in a missions conference several years ago, and the preacher said, you know, it's like people are in their own little cocoon. Don't knock on my door. <laughs> this is my haven, my safe haven. I don't want to talk to anybody. No literature, no tracts, no leaflets, no door-to-door, no salesmen. I'm not selling anything. I'm here to give something away. Amen. But I want to tell you something. But sometimes we're just like them. We're in our own little world. I go to church on Wednesdays. It says missions conference. I go Thursdays and Fridays. We have the banquet on Saturday. Church back again. Church Sunday morning, Sunday evening. And there's my little world. But you know, while we are in our own little world, people around us in Tala are dying in their sins and on their way to hell. Have you stopped and looked around at all those people who are walking by in the streets? I love Lucan. You know, we're in Lucan, and, you know, I had a plan. I was going to start a church in Clondalk, and God never led me to Clondalk, and he brought me to Lucan. I'm still there, eight, nine years later almost. You're saying, nine years, where does the time go? That's a good question. 
But I was still in Lucan. And I'll probably get buried out of Lucan. But here's the point I'm trying to make, and I'll, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But the point I'm trying to make is, I love Lucan. Do you know why? Because everybody knows who I am. Do you know why they know who I am? Not just because they've heard about me, because I talk with them. Small village. Small mentality. Everybody knows everybody. So you want to be careful who you cross on Lucan because you could cut yourself off from a whole lot of people. Lucan is a small world. But that's a blessing as well because when you get a good reputation with one person, ah, you're the Baptist minister. I have a lady who says, let me know when you have your official opening time. My dad called you. Now he's dead now. My dad called you his minister. I used to talk with him all the time about the Lord. He died. I have no idea where he is right now. But he called me his minister. Because I would talk to him about the Lord. And she wants to come to church because of that. So it affects, when you get to know people, it affects a lot of people. Now, Tal is a lot bigger than Lucan. But get to know people. There's a lot of people around. Talk to people on the street. Talk to people. Look for opportunities when you, when you, you know, ca- casually have a bit of conversation here. And, and just talk with people and look at the opportunity. Hey, can I share, share something with you? What's that all about? Can I, let me tell you what it's about. Tell them when you got saved. Do you have a testimony? Tell them when you got saved. Tell them what God has done in your life. Are you saved? Say amen. amen. Are you happy about being saved? If you're happy about being saved, you need to let people know, I'm glad to be saved. It's okay to go, Woo-hoo! I'm glad to be saved. I know I'm borderline crazy, but that's why I'm in Lucan, all right? <laughs> they wouldn't keep me, keep me in Tala. <laughs> They'd ship me back to Lucan again. Everybody knows I'm crazy. But you know what? We need to have a bit of craziness for the Lord and be excited. You need to be genuinely happy you're saved. I'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to tell you something. Jesus went to where the people were. Jesus didn't wait for them to come to him. If you're waiting for half a talent to walk into the doors of LifeGate Bible Baptist Church, you're going to be waiting a very long time. Isn't that true? You've got to go where they are. I heard a testimony of this lady, and I love this testimony. And she was given a gospel leaflet, and you know what she did? She did what most people do. Yeah, thank you very much, and they put it underneath. You know what the only leaflet is? It's a bin. <laughs> Somebody else gave her a gospel leaflet. Oh, thanks very much, and it goes underneath again. Gave another gospel leaflet. Oh, thanks very much, and that goes in another bin. Okay, gives her another gospel leaflet. Yeah, she got her fourth gospel leaflet. Yep, thanks very much, and you know. She got the fifth gospel leaflet, and she did the same thing through the way. But the sixth gospel leaflet, she stuck it in her pocket, and she read it. And she got saved. How many times did she need to be touched to get saved? Six times. What about the people? Is, is, is passing a gospel leaflet a waste of time? No. If you stick to the one, maybe it is. But what happens if Anto passes out a leaf to somebody? And then Gary passes another leaflet out and it's the same person. And then Jamie comes along and gives him a gospel leaflet and somebody else. And Barry comes along with, the, with another leaflet. And then Al comes to take another one. And Simon takes another one. Six times. What are you trying to say to me? I keep getting gospel leaflets. Maybe God's after you. Always be looking for opportunities. Never miss opportunities. Don't go wait waiting for people to come to you. Jesus went to their cities. He went to their villages. You know the Bible talks about door to door. Do you know that? Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. Where did they go? Cities and villages. They went, Paul went from house to house. You know, door to door is biblical. And even if it wasn't, I'd still do it. i tell you why. Because one of the most faithful ladies in our church got one through door to door ministry. And she's a Sunday school teacher. Thank God for door to door. 
That makes it worth it. Is her soul worth doing door to door? Yes. It's a great way to learn how to share the gospel with people, isn't it? It's making people accountable for the gospel. It's giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel. You say it doesn't work, and people say it doesn't work. Well, you know, the people... I could be very careful. I have to be careful what I say here. I have no time for the scoffers. So a lot of people with a lot of negative and critical statements. They're doing nothing for God. They're just talking. Do you understand what I'm saying? Forget about them. Look for someone who's doing something for God and listen to what they have to say. Amen? Those people out there who are trying to reach people for Christ. I thank God for door to door. And there are people in this room who I know were one because somebody knocked on your doors. And you know, I think you believe in door to door, don't you? Thank God for it. Listen, I want to tell you something, folks. God loves sinners. And you know, they're not going to come to us. We need to go to them. And we need to exhort them to be saved. You know, sometimes people hear a message. And they'll hear that message. And they won't get saved. The invitation will come. They won't come forward. They won't raise their hand. They don't want to go forward. But maybe someone in this room could notice that person under conviction. And pull them aside. And hey, you know what do you think of the sermon? God dealing with your heart? You know, you need to be saved, don't you? I remember going over to um, somebody's house in our church several years ago and because he'd raised his hand for salvation. And so I talked to him about how to be saved. He got saved and he wanted to be baptized then. And then his, his sister was there and I said, what do you think? And she said, I want to be saved too. She did not raise her hand even once in church. She probably never would. But she just needed a bit of exhortation. And she said, I want to know too. And, and I was able to lead her to the Lord. I went, I, went, I went to the home to lead one person, Lord, and both people got saved. So praise God. You know, I want to tell you something. Always be looking for opportunities to exhort people, to encourage people. You know, some people in here, in this room, love what you're hearing right now. But there may be others who are dead inside. I want to ask you, what happened? What happened? What brought you to the place that you got dead inside? Did you not get saved? Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from sin. Saved from this world. And God hates this world. I want you to understand that. I'm not talking about the people. God loves the people. But he hates the world system. And you hear a lot of preaching against the world in this church, don't you? Because God hates it. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the, world, uh, loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Isn't that what the Bible says? God hates the world, but he loves the people. Have you not tasted that the Lord is good? Does his precious blood not mean something to you? Have you allowed your heart to become cold and hard? And far from God, so that you are not concerned anymore for the people around you. The test of a heart is your concern for the people around you. Isn't that right? If we start losing our, losing our concern for lost sinners, there's something seriously wrong with our heart. Isn't that right? We've got to go before God and get that cleared up. We have to. We need Christ. 
We need him and a lost world around us needs him. Jesus said in John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The Bible talks about our bellies being rivers of living water that the Holy Spirit can work through. But I want to tell you something. A river has to flow. If the river doesn't flow, we get stagnant inside. Isn't that right? We have got to do everything we can to put out. You know, I'm right now in seminary. I, I came from seminary, preaching here, going back to seminary at the end of the message again. I'm, I'm, I'm learning scriptures, learning the Bible. There are advanced studies in the scriptures. But I want to tell you something. I love it. I love studying the Bible. Do you know what I do what I learn from the Bible? I share it with the people I, I preach to. I've got, I've got several sermons now coming now from what I've learned this week already. You know, and I'm excited about it. I have a message on the book of life. I have the message on the blood of Jesus. I've, I've got all these things I've been learning about and uh, I'm excited about. You know, and the thing is, uh, but I've got to put it out. When you come to church on a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, it's no good to have you of all you're doing is just putting information in your head. Some people are information, you know, I don't know what you call it, information junkies. Is that the right word to use? I even know if that's a good word to use. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, just give me information. I just want to eat. Now I've got my information for the day. I'll make you sick. God doesn't want to do that with you. He wants to fill your heart with his truth. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. God wants to give you his truth so you can give it out to other people. Amen? That's what it means. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. If you're learning all this truth and you're keeping it to yourself and you're sitting on it, you're going to spiritually implode. You've got to give it to the people around you. Give it out. David said, my cup runneth over. And you know what? Your cup needs to be full for you, amen? And then needs to run over so you can pass it on to other people. You've got to give out. Give out, not give out, in, in other words, get, give out to people. <laughs> but give out what God has done in your life. You've got to share it. You've got to pass it on. Do not allow yourself to become stagnant. Love the Lord. Enjoy being saved. I think it's a sin if you don't enjoy being saved. If you're not excited about being saved, you need to get right with God. I'm serious. You should love being saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Woohoo! I mean, you don't have to be like that, but at least have an expression in your heart, right? You should be excited about it. Love the Lord. If you love God and you love being saved, then people will want what you have. I'm so tired of being a Christian, trying to win souls and Nobody wants to hear. Well, if you're that depressed about being a Christian, who'd want to be one? You're going to be, you need to be saved from hell. Don't depress me anymore. They need to know how good it is to be saved. They need to see an expression on your face. They need to see the joy in your heart. They need to see the love of God in your soul. They need to know that you are just so excited about being a Christian and you want them to have that too. That's what Christianity is all about. Isn't that right? Passing it on. How many souls, let me ask you, have you been able to win to the Lord Jesus Christ? How many souls have you been able to win to the Lord Jesus Christ? Getting someone to profess faith on the doors doesn't count. I'll tell you what counts. Get them in here. Get them baptized. And get them under the pastor to hear the word of God. That's what counts. That's what people need. 
They need to be in the church, growing in grace, loving the Lord, and seeing the joy in your faces. Isn't that right? That's what they need. That's desperately what they need. The Bible says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Christ, um, Christ went to the people. Secondly, Christ recognized their need. Look at verse 36. He reckoned, not only did he go to the people, but he recognized their need. The Bible says, verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus saw them without strength. They fainted. You know, there's many reasons why people faint. Could be hunger. But one real reason often why people faint is discouragement. Do you ever notice how discouraged people are? Rains a lot in this country, doesn't it? Do we need some airflow here? It seems like people are getting... I hope I'm not putting you to sleep. I'll wake you up again if I put you to sleep. But do we need some windows open or something? But anyway... I just need some airflow here. But anyway, people, you heard about the preacher, you know, he said to his deacon, he says, he says, hey deacon, you know, you need to wake up those people, that, that man there fell asleep. And the deacon turned around to the preacher and says, you put him to sleep, you wake him up again. <laughs> but I'm asking you not to fall asleep. I don't want to try and wake you up again. But anyway, that, that, that's of course a joke. But here's the point I'm trying to make. Um, he that goeth forth, uh, sorry, I mentioned that already. People are discouraged. I think a lot of it has to do with the weather, but people have a long cast down face. You know what? If you are happy all the time, people think there's something wrong with you. There is a, a, an institution called Lomans that's just around the corner for us where people go who are happy all the time. Okay? <laughs> but honestly, people think there's something wrong with you. If you're happy, what's wrong with you? Why are you happy? Either you're mentally disturbed or you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. <laughs> but, but they think there's something wrong with you if, if you're happy. But folks, I want to tell you something. I remember, and this is no word of a lie, um, I have lost only four jobs in my life. <laughs> but um, the second job was not my fault. <laughs> I remember Simeon Taylor. He said, I crashed nine cars in my life, but the last one wasn't my fault. Well, the second one, the second one was not my fault. I was working on a building site, and uh, I was happy. Why was I happy? Because I'm saved. That's why I was happy, okay? I was rejoicing in the Lord, singing unto the Lord. And the foreman, uh, the main man, foreman of the, uh, of the site came to my boss and said, get rid of him. And my boss said, why? Because he's happy. So my boss told me a lie. He told me a poor he, you know. He told me that, 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 that they're cutting down on staff. Have you not seen the new people in and all that type of stuff? I said, no. He said, well, it's happened and they're cutting down on staff and all that type of stuff. You're going to have to go. I found out from one of the other lads that he was lying to me and he was sacking me because I was happy smiling all the time. It is a crime in this country to be happy. Now I want to tell you something. Let's start being criminal in that area. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 verse 29, okay, Romans 13 says obey the government, okay? We need to obey the government. But, uh, but the Bible also says we ought to obey God rather than man. Acts 5.29, so therefore obey God. Be happy, amen? Be happy that you're saved and let the joy of Jesus be shown on your face, okay? Um, but people are discouraged. The Bible says, Galatians 6.9, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. People faint. People get discouraged. People need encouragement. Can I tell you something? People need our blessing. I hope you bless unsaved people. I hope you say to unsaved people, I'm praying for you and may God bless you. When I pass out leaflets in Lucan Village, which I try to do every week, and I haven't been doing it for a while with the building and all that, but I tell you, I, I tell people, God bless you. I hope God blesses you. And they say, thank you. 
I want God to bless them. You say, where did you get that in the Bible? The Lord bless thee and keep thee and cause his face to shine upon thee. It was a tradition among the Hebrew people to bless each other. We should be blessing people. Wanting God to bless them. Bless them to curse you. Pray for them to despitefully use you. You should be blessing people all the time. God bless you. I want God to bless your life. He's not living right. I want God to bless him anyway so that he wants to live right. God bless you. I want God to bless you with a heart for him so you turn to him. God bless you. We need to bless people. People are discouraged. They need to be blessed. They need our blessing. They need to know we love them. They need to know we care for them. They need to know God loves them. People are empty. They say that they're not empty. And they say that they don't need God. But I want to tell you something. They're lying. That's a a phrase you have in the men's home. You're lying. And I tell you, (laughs) you have to be hanging around the men's home to get these things, okay? I'm in the inner circle. I get their jokes. But they they have that line here. But people who say that that they don't need God and people who say they're not empty are lying. I can show you that from the Bible. The Bible says here in um, Romans chapter 8, verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, because I want you to see that. Keep your marker there in Matthew chapter 9. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 22. Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Now, let me ask you a question from verse 22. How much of creation is groaning and travailing? All of it. That's what the Bible says. So what the Bible says is, everybody is empty whether they admit it or not. And if they're not willing to admit it, they're lying. And if they're not lying to you directly, they're lying to themselves. That's the truth. You say, well, well how do you know that? Or how, well, what's going on here? Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I want to show you something here. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. <clears throat> it says here, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon a lost and dying world who are in their sins and they deserve every last bit of it. That's the truth. But the reason why God's wrath is going to be poured out upon them is because they've rejected his his son. They refused the son of God. Romans, John chapter 3 verse 18, John chapter 3 verse 36. But here's what it says here in verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed again from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or who hold down or who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth but they refuse to admit it. It's like global warming. I've been praying for global warming. Praise God, maybe we're going to start to happen it, amen? I was ready to go back to Kyoto and I say, I want our carbon credits back. I want the millions back we poured into it because I want some global warming. I've been looking for it. But the people who, who prom- promote global warming are lying about it because they know it's not true. Anyone who's a school child knows what causes global warming. It's the sun. The sun causes heat, not carbon. You'd have to be crazy to believe it's carbon. But anyway, let's move on from that. The point I'm trying to make is, the reality is they're lying. 
And people lie to themselves and say, I'm okay. And people lie to themselves and say, I'm not empty. And people lie to themselves. And there's always a reason behind why they reject the knowledge of God. God has placed it in them and they're rejecting it. Now here's the point I'm trying to bring out. People are empty. And we have to see that. No matter who they are, no matter how cool they act, no matter how good they look, they're empty. And they're sheep who are scattered. Look at Romans, or back to uh, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus saw them without strength. They were without strength. He saw them the way they were. Verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad. They were scattered abroad. They were without direction. They were tossed backwards and forwards, to and fro by man's opinions. Well, Rabbi, such and such believes this. Well, what does the Bible mean? You know, I love. You know, I love. You know, I love about seminary. I'm not getting Rabbi this and Rabbi that opinion. We're studying the Bible out together. I love that. I love studying the Bible, don't you? And well, such and such Matthew Henry commentary. He's a foremost scholar. He says this. Well, great. He could be wrong. Study the Bible for yourself. Study to show yourself. Don't you have the Spirit of God in you? Don't you have a preacher that's showing you the Word of God? Read it for yourself. Amen? Well, they're scattered abroad by people's opinions. And that's the way it was back then. They had two schools, the the Hillel and the Shammai school. And all they did was, quote, opinions. Opinions of people. And the Bible says they were scattered abroad. A sheep having no shepherd. They were scattered. They were tossed to and fro with people's opinions about the Bible. You know, you hear people's opinions about the Bible. Do you know where people, where people get their theology from today? It's not church, because they don't go to church. They get their theology from the History Channel. The History Channel is full of foremost scholars on the Bible, and they understand how the Bible is. They've been to, the, they've been to theological seminary, and they have PhDs and DDs and DLITs and all everything like that. Rubbish! They've never been to Bible school in their lives. And they're making statements about the Bible because they're heathen and they're heretics and they're liars and they're deceivers and everybody believes them because it's from the History Channel. Do you know, if they're not getting their theology from the History Channel, they're getting their theology from Facebook. One of the ladies from our church, she did everything to hold herself back because she heard that Jesus was in Mary's womb for three days. And her mother said, where did you learn that from? Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is the foremost. If you want to go to seminary, forget about going to theological seminary. Go to Facebook. You will learn so much about God from Facebook. I want to taste it. But that's where people are getting their theology from. They're not getting it from the Bible. They're getting it from man's opinions. And so people are getting scattered to and fro all over the place through that. They're getting tossed to and fro from this by the circumstances of life. People are being chased and scattered by pastors who do not care for the flock. And so when leadership lets you down, and that has happened again and again in this country, as you are very well aware, and I, don't, I do not need to bring it up, but the point is that people are coming to the point where they don't trust anybody anymore. They're cynical. Yeah, right. They throw the baby out with the bathwater, don't they? They're completely cynical. And so we come along and try to teach them something about God, and they're cynical. Yeah, right. Pull the other one. I don't believe that anymore. Because they've been let down, and let down, and let down again and again. But I want you to see them the way Jesus saw them. They're sheep with no shepherd. 
Yes, they need to be humbled. I agree. They'll never get saved until they're humbled. But they also need to know that there's hope and there's truth beyond what they believe because they haven't a clue about God and they don't have a clue about the Bible. They need to see those things. Jesus saw them as scattered. Jesus saw them without proper leadership. Look at verse 36. As sheep having no shepherd. You know, the multitudes needed a shepherd. They needed someone who would care for their souls. They needed a pastor. I hope you pray for your pastor every day. I really do. You know what? If Satan wants to tear a church to pieces, he's going to go and work at the pastor. He needs your prayers. I hope you pray for your pastor. Because I know he cares for you and he prays for you. I hope you pray for him. He needs your prayers. But you know what? You should count yourself very blessed that you have someone you can call a pastor. Because there's a lot of people out there who don't have a pastor. You know what? Personally speaking, if people want to call me Les, let them call me Les. They call me Pastor Les, let them call me Pastor Les. But the people who call me Pastor Les recognize that they have a pastor. The people who call me Les don't have a pastor. And they're the ones that lose out. Because in my opinion, everybody needs a pastor. That's what Jesus said. Isn't that what he said? He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. What's a shepherd? It's a pastor. Isn't that right? Everybody needs a pastor. Everyone needs guidance. Jesus was just one person though. And he wasn't able to minister to each one's needs individually. All he could do was preach to the whole. Isn't that right? He could preach generally to the heart of man. But time forbade him to counsel everyone and meet his or her need individually. Everyone needs a personal touch. The Lord trained 12 disciples. But the 12 were not enough. So the Lord's heart was greatly moved to the point of action. So what did he do? Number three, Christ called for help. Look at verse 37 and 38. Then said he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Can I say this? There is always a ready harvest. There really is. Are we seeing the harvest? Not like I'd like to. But I know it's there. How do you know? Because the Bible says it is. Now the harvest doesn't have to be 100,000 souls. I wish it was. But there is a harvest. Behind closed doors, people are disillusioned and people are hurting and people are taking drugs and alcohol and contemplating suicide. Isn't that right? We just need to enter into their lives. Folks, we need to get out of our cocoons. In our, out of our busy... Listen, do you know the biggest blessing of getting this building done is to have a building at the end of it. But the biggest curse is it's kept me so busy that I can't be busy with people's lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? And God presented blessings along the way where I was able to talk to, to, to um, the man who got us the building in the first place and go through the Bible, the gospel with him. I was able to talk to one of the main contractors on the building and go through the gospel with him. And I was able to talk to people individually. But I wish I had more time. I wish I could split myself. I wish I could spread myself. I wish I wasn't so busy with things that don't seem to be so important but consume so much of our time because people need an individual touch. Isn't that right? They need a touch. So what did Jesus say? He said, pray. Pray. 
There are people out there who are hurting. The Lord said to Paul, I am with thee, and no man shall set thee on hurt to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. I claim that for Lucan. I've just got to believe God has placed me in Lucan for a reason. He's put a Baptist church in Lucan for a reason because there are much people in Lucan who need to be saved and delivered from religion and delivered from error and delivered from people who really don't care for their souls, who maybe want their money or who want their applause or who want to fill their buildings and then say, well, you know, today we're going to talk about the weather. I've been in those dead churches and I gained nothing from it. I've sat under preaching where I've begged God and said, God, speak to my heart, and I got nothing out of it. Thank God you're in a church where you get truth. Thank God. But people need. There are people out there who are needing. There's someone out there God is working on and they need your individual attention. Not Pastor Gorman's. Yours. They need you. You say, but you don't understand where I'm at. I don't care where you're at. They need you. And God can use you if you have eyes to see it. You say, well, I'm so busy. Well, then get unbusy. Because <laughs> you're probably busy about stuff you ought not to be busy about anyway. I don't know what goes on, but sometimes people get so busy with education. Education. Oh, we need to have a master. Listen, I'm all for having a master's. But it better not keep you away from church and keep you away from soul winning or there's something wrong with your master's. Well, music is so important to me that I have to miss church to be at concerts. Well, you've got misplaced priorities. You've been God's house. Because maybe God had something for you that day and you missed it because you weren't there. Folks, I want to tell you something. People have needs. And God can use you. I talked to a man today and he's left our church. And the reason why he left our church is because his family uh, left our church. And I don't want to go into all the details of it. He loved coming to the church, but long story, messed up situation. Go into, won't go into all the details. But it was easy for him to leave our church, although he said he had a tear in his eye and all that. And it was hard for him to leave and all that. But listen, do you know what he said? Or do you know what I thought to myself? He was going all services at the beginning. Then he dropped off the Wednesday nights. And he had a reason for dropping off the Wednesday nights. Then he dropped off the Saturday morning breakfast. Then he dropped off the Sunday school. Till all he was coming was Sunday morning. And you know what? He never grew. He never grew in his faith. And while other people are passing by, there's a, there's a dear lady that I know could be used so much more of the Lord, but she's just busy in life. Too busy for God. And there are people passing her by. If only she'd stop and say, what am I doing? And stay and grow. You say, but you don't understand my background. Listen, things weren't easy for me growing up. And I don't need to go into all the details of it. But God turned circumstances around in my life. Because there's a willingness in my heart to say, God, do something in my life. You say, but I've gone too far. No, you haven't. Are you breathing? <laughs> They go, ah, okay, God can use me. You just need to give in. Stop fighting God. If you lose the battle and you're fighting God, you, you, you're the one, you're defeating yourself. God wants to use you. So you need to get serious. 
There are people out there who maybe have heard the gospel 15 times, but if they hear it just one more time, they'll get saved. And maybe God wants to use you. There's always a ready harvest for those who have eyes to see and a heart to care. There's always a ready harvest, but folks, there's not always ready labors. Look at verse 37. He said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Satan has done a great job in getting God's people distracted. We're so busy about things that have no eternal value. Listen, can I just say this? By the way, as I was um, going through this message, I got very convicted. (laughs) Because I'm just as guilty as anybody else in this room of misplaced priorities. But let's put it right. So there's an altar here, right? To get down on your knees and put things right and say, God, use me. How can you use me? Use me, Lord. We get so busy fighting and scrapping and struggling, being lazy, being self-focused, discouraged, cold inside, that we forget that people are dying in their sins and on their way to hell. That's the reality here. People are on their way to hell. And we can walk out the door there and you look at those people and ask yourself, am I doing anything to help that person walking by? People are on their way to hell. So we need to get focused again. There are not always ready labors. There's a great need to pray. Look at verse 38. Pray therefore the Lord the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Pray for God to raise up pastors and teachers to love and care for our people. Irish people need people who will care for them, isn't that right? They need pastors. More pastors like your pastor. They need, we need pastors. Pastors who will pastor. There are pastors today, they just want to be their buddies. Let's be buddies and let's jive together. I mean, I was at a... I don't even need to go into the details. I'm ashamed of some of the things I see these days by people who are called pastors. They're not pastoring. They're just trying to be buddies. Folks, you've got plenty of buddies. If you don't have any buddies, go around the men's home. There's plenty of lads. They're great lads. You have plenty of buddies there. Great lads. I love these guys. But you need a pastor who's going to pastor you and help you and lead you and guide you and help you stop making dumb decisions. Listen to your pastor because he cares. I know this is shocking to some. (laughs) I'm being facetious here. You know he cares. Pastors sometimes can be hard on their people because they love them. You want to be your, if you want buddies, hang out with the men's home. But if you want a pastor who cares for you, he's going to tell you what you need to hear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Your pastor is your friend who cares for you. Let him pastor you. But other people need prayer, pastors too. I want you to understand that. They need pastors. And we have a, a, we're in a phase in our Christianity in this land right now where people don't want pastors. They want buddies. They, they don't want to be told what to do. We've talked about this last, haven't we? People don't want to be told what to do. It's rebellion. That's what it is. Stubbornness. And their, their lives are just going into the sea. And, they're, they're, and they think they're free. They're not. 
they've now become useless to God. Folks, we need to recognize people need pastors. So where does that apply to you? Maybe God would have you to be a pastor. You say, you don't understand my background. I don't care about your background. If you're not divorced, maybe God could call you to be a pastor. I'm talking about biblical qualifications here. I apologize if you're divorced. I just, the Bible t- is very clear on that one, okay? But here's the reality here. If you're not divorced, you could well be qualified to be a pastor. And you say, well, God, what do you want to do? What if you are divorced? Can't you serve God? Do you have to have a title called a deacon or a pastor to serve God? Can't you help people? Can't you take people underneath your arm? Can't you be a blessing to people? Can't you pastor them in, the, in another sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Can't you just take them under, be, be a big buddy, be a friend to people? Can't you, can't you be a help to people? People need labor. We need laborers. So you're saying, okay, where do I begin? Thank you for asking. Let me tell you where you begin. Number one. Ask God to forgive you for being cold and careless about lost sinners. Number two, go out on a Tuesday night and learn how to win souls. There's a pro Tuesday night, is it? Get out there Tuesday night. You say, I've never done it before, I'm scared. One of my men, never gone out before. But you know what, he did it. And he even talked. You probably won't even be made talk. (laughs) But he talked because he had to. And he did it. God will always give you the grace to do his will. Never forget that. God is good. He was excited too after it. It's exciting to do God's will, isn't it? And number three, pardon me for the expression, I'm going to say it anyway. Forget about America. Go through the Bible Institute here in LifeGate and be trained for God and get serious. Do an internship with a missionary, number four. Do an internship with a missionary in this country that your pastor recommends. Number five, be a male. If you're male, start a church or help start a church under the authority of another local church. And number six, if you're female, beg God to use you to assist in starting another church. God can use you. Folks, I want to tell you something. This is my burden. I believe God has called me to be a church planter. I never thought I'd be a pastor. What am I doing now? I'm pastoring. I feel like the most ill-equipped, most, uh, the, the least qualified person in the planet to be a pastor. I think people who knew me from my school days look at me and they're amazed. Listen, I had a school reunion after 20 years and I, all I did was open up and pray and they were all, they were all clapping. Because I was a school jerk. I was a school idiot. And they're amazed. And all I'm doing is praying publicly. What would they do if they heard me preach? They'd probably kill over and die. (laughs) But God did a miracle in my life, and he's using somebody who I feel personally totally unqualified for. If somebody told me, you know, God wants you to go to Luke and be a pastor, I'd say, not a chance. I wouldn't go. God sort of kept that from me, didn't he? (laughs) He led me there to take over work and then the preacher never came back. So, oops, <laughs> I'm stuck here now. I better do it, right? Do you think I was looking to get out of it several times? Pastor Gorman will tell you, how many times did I come to you saying, I need to get out of Luke? And <laughs> he's laughing. I didn't want to do it. But God placed me there and he always gives you the grace and the ability to do his will. But I still feel I'm a church planter. So what do I want to do? 
I want to see people get saved. I want to see people get baptized. I want to see men get on fire for God. I want to train them in Ireland on Irish soil and send them forth and help them start churches throughout Ireland. Listen, we have give, taken and taken from America for so long. We had the American preachers, American evangelists. Thank God for them. We needed them. But folks, I want to tell you something. It's time we stood on our own two feet. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. Do you think God can use us? I think he can. Let's plug the gaps. Let's stand in there as a people. Get behind your preacher and thank him for being hard on you. You know you need it. You thank Leighton, you better thank your preacher too. Because <laughs> you know you need it. Thank him for it. Thank him for loving you. Thank him for praying for you. Be a blessing to him. Support him. Encourage him. You know, it means so much when, when somebody comes up to me and says, you know, I'm going to let you know I'm praying for you. So my, one of my men sometimes just texts me and just says, just let you know I'm praying for you. Thank you, Lord. I get supporting churches that email me and say, just let you know I've been praying for you. I love that. But it means more to hear my people are praying for me on this soil. You let your preacher know you're praying for him. Let him know you're 100% behind him. And let, let learn from him. He's got much experience. Learn from him. Because maybe God will call you to pastor in the future. You say, well, I'm a woman. I can't pastor. But you can help. You can be a servant. You can be a blessing. And you can ask God, God, what can I do in Ireland to reach the Irish for Christ? Open your eyes. Open your heart. And see what God can do. Do we need revival? Absolutely. Do we need the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But the Holy Spirit's not going to come upon us in some transmental dental meditation we're in. God empowers people who are laboring. So the Bible says, says, go ye therefore and teach. And the Bible says, God was with them. Go and depend on God with all your heart. Pray like it's totally depending on God because it is. And labor like it's depending on you because God needs you. Let God work. Let him give him the freedom to work. And let's see what he'll do. Pastor. Let's invite the Lord to work in our hearts right now to do a, do a work in each of our hearts, all right? And if God has worked in your heart and done something in your heart, would you respond to him tonight? Don't just go away to mull it over. Don't we sometimes do that with the preaching of the word? The preaching of the word requires a decision. It requires us coming to the place where we say, yes, Lord. Listen, he's hit a whole lot of stuff tonight. Has God touched you as far as soul winning is concerned? You know, it's hard for us not to be touched by that. We need to be soul winners. But you know, listen, make a decision that you're going to do something about it. Not that it's just going to be something you put on the long finger. Make a decision. Has God touched you as far as missions are concerned, as far as preaching is concerned? If God has touched you tonight, I'm going to pray, and then the piano's going to play. Step out of your seat and do business with God. Make a decision. Come to a place of deciding. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for Brother Les coming to preach to us. Thank you, Lord, for the message that you laid upon his heart, Lord, and for letting us see his burden, Lord, and his love for his people and his love for his country. And, oh, Lord, we love this land too. And, Lord, we so desperately want to see you do a mighty work. And, Lord, we so desperately want to see a land reached with the gospel. And, Lord, our people are lost and they are scattered. And, Lord, they are in need of a shepherd and they don't need it, know it, Lord. They're 
Uh, they're torn down and destroyed, and they don't know it. Oh, Lord, would you use us, Lord? Would you take and use each one here? Now, would you bless in the time of invitation? And, Lord, would you move in hearts, Lord? And may we respond to you, and may we um, <clears throat> be honest with you. And, oh, Lord, uh, may there be a change because of the word preached tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. But as the piano plays and God is dealing with you, step out of your seat and you come do business with him. <laughs> 